say, isn't it? Isn't that a great name? Jesus. Boy, I tell you, when the Lord, there's power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. I believe we just, Lord, we just want to release the power of that name into this atmosphere right now. Jesus. Say Jesus. Think about your situation you need help in. Just picture it in your mind right now. Say Jesus over it. Jesus. Think about your lost loved ones. Jesus. Think about your financial difficulties. Jesus. <laughs> Uh-oh. That, that may not be a good sign. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Speaking of financial difficulties, uh, you know, this is the last thing you want to do, uh, especially around Christmas, especially when we took up a special offer last week for our speaker. But I have learned of a couple of families that are in need of help. And I want to help them to buy Christmas for their kids. That's what I really feel. I feel like God just wants to show mercy on them. So I'm asking you, would you help them buy Christmas for their kids? And that's, that's what I'm asking you. And I'm going to pass this plates around, and there's a couple I know of, there may be more. I'm going to take all the money that we receive and divide it to those families and let them, and make them, not let them, but force them that they have to get some Christmas presents for the kids. Now, that may not seem like a big deal in the world events, but I'll tell you what. Every parent in this room, it would be a big deal to you if you couldn't provide a Christmas for your children. So just look at it like that. Amen? You guys go ahead. Give freely as the Lord lets you, as you will, and Jesus will bless your giving. Amen? So while they're doing that, we'll go ahead and I want to give a message this morning that the Lord gave me. That's the best kind, isn't it? All right, y'all going to have to loosen up. Don't be all stiff and mad because I... Took up another offering, and I'm tired of going to church because they receive offerings and all that. But I want to read a story in the Bible, okay? So I want you to turn to Mark 5. And I read this and really spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Um, but I want to read it to you again. I'm not going to linger on it, but I just want to read it to you because this is an example of what I want to talk about to you this morning. It's the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody remember that? Well, I want to read that again just to get you back into thinking, get you, you know, get you work, get you everybody on the same level. Mark 5, verse 25. Lord, bless your word. It's already blessed. Release it. Release the Holy Spirit. Release the anointing, God. Release the power of God in this room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I will, shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful story? 
Well, here's what I feel like. This is something that God's been speaking to me about for a long time. Actually, He's been speaking to me about it for a good portion of my Christian life. And it's talking about moving the hand of God. And in God's economy, there is a sovereignty of God, where God just does what God wants to do because He's God, whether we do anything or not do anything. You understand that? Where He just flat moves. In other words, the sun's shining this morning because God decided it was going to shine. And it's sitting up there in the sky because He put it up there. We had zero to do with that. Okay, but there's also a place, I believe, in God's economy where we affect God. We prevail upon God. We touch God to get God to move. And that is exactly what this woman did. And she, Jesus was not th- even thinking about this woman. Jesus was not there. And he was going to heal somebody. He was actually going to raise somebody from the dead. And this woman came up behind him and got a healing that she needed. She didn't... You know, she didn't have a prayer. She wasn't praying to Jesus at that moment. I'm sure she had prayed to God because she was in desperate trouble. She did, but at that moment, all she did was believe and 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 in her last grasp, grasp the Lord to get Him to move on her behalf. And the Lord moved, and the Lord healed her. And there's that place in our lives that where we have to prevail upon God to get God to move on our behalf. Are you with me? I'm not telling you something that's not new. Here's a scripture. You don't have to turn there. This is how the Lord introduced me to this, this concept. It says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now. When I was a young Christian, before I even knew this was a scripture, I started hearing this scripture in my mind. And this is what I would hear. I would hear this, Byron, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. And it just was ringing in my mind over and over and over. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? You know, I concluded it was sounded like something out of the Bible, you know. And I discovered it, it is in the Bible. And I discovered that there is a there was a and I didn't get all this at one time. It took I'm a slow learner. It takes me some time. But I discovered there was a passiveness in me that was not good. It was an unrighteous passiveness. I was too passive about certain things that God was saying, no, you've got to be aggressive. You've got to go after some things in your life because they're not going to fall out of the sky into your lap. You hear me? There's a passiveness that's on people in the church that is not God. It is not God. And I will tell you, when I begin to do what I want to talk to you about this, this morning, my, my Christian life changed. It went from being what I call minimal and marginal to over the long term, I feel like I've been pretty blessed by God. Amen? And that's really what God has for us. Now, if that picture disturbs you, if you don't like that, here's another one that should suit some of the other personality types. It's out of Genesis 17, 1. I'll just read it. It says, When Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I am Almighty God. Well, that word Almighty means El Shaddai. And the definition of El Shaddai, there's a couple of definitions, means the all-sufficient one. 
That's one of the definitions. But there's another definition, and it's the many-breasted one. The many-breasted one. And another picture of what I just said, the kingdom of God suffers violent, violent men take force, is the picture of a baby nursing its mama. You hear what I'm saying? A baby who begins to nurse its mama, and it causes the milk, causes the life force to flow from that mama into that baby's life. And that is a picture of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us latching on to God and moving the milk that's in God, moving the life that's in God, and moving it out of God into us. Like that woman with the issue of blood, she latched on to God and moved power out of God into her life. And we can do that. We can do that. You hear me? We can do it. God wants us to do it. God expects us to do it. There, I'm telling you, I'm going to say this one more time. There's a passiveness that's on a lot of Christians that is not God. It is unrighteous. It's unrighteous. And God wants to break that off in people. It's a religious thing. It's a, it's a, 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 a religious, it's a traditional, maybe it's a way a, an American would think or a Westerner would think. You hear what I'm saying to you? Y'all ain't believing me. Well, we can provoke God to act just like the baby provokes the milk in its mama's breast. But you know what happens when the baby quits nursing? What happens to the breast, the mama's breast? It dries up. And see, a lot of you, there's things that have dried up between you and God because you quit going after it. You quit nursing God. You quit demanding it. You quit being aggressive with God. You quit stepping out there. This was like Becky was telling me this morning, a certain child of mine said, well, I was just born to messy. That's the way God made me. <laughs> and I told her, I said, well, God made me to fix that problem that God created him in. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Now, there are times, and there are people who will try to pervert what I'm trying to t- say to you. There's a couple places in the Bible where a couple guys tried to be aggressive with God, and he didn't put up with it. One was a man named Balaam. He was a prophet. Some men came to him, and the Lord said, Don't even have anything to do with these guys. Don't do anything they want you to do. It's clear. Yet those guys offered him money to go curse some the nation of Israel. And he begged and pleaded with God. And finally said, God said, Okay, go ahead. Do it. Got on his old donkey and started riding out, and there was an angel who was going to kill him over it. God was going to kill this man. Because he was doing exactly what God had told him not to do originally, but he just prevailed upon God to the point where God just let him go. He's going to knock him out. And thank God that the Lord put it on the donkey to, you know, start banging the guy up against the wall, and finally the donkey wound up speaking to him, telling him, man, you're crazy. There's an angel over there. He's going to kill both of us. He wound up getting killed eventually, Balaam did. When Israel went to war, they went and killed him. He deserved to die. Because he was wicked. But there's another man named Moses who was a righteous man who messed up. And the Lord said, you're not going into the promised land, Moses. And Moses began to argue with God and plead with God. And God didn't kill Moses, fortunately. He just said, Moses, shut up. I don't want to talk to you about this more no more. This issue's settled. I'm going to try to give you a key, but if you try to use that key in the wrong door, God's going to get you. You hear what I'm saying to you? You can take what I'm saying and try to use it in the wrong door, try to open the wrong doors. You've got to use the key in the right door. You hear what I'm saying to you? So I want to give you some principles that tell you how to use this key of how to be aggressive with God and do it in a way that's in God's will and not be immature and not act like a bunch of idiots and not try to go after things that God doesn't want you to have. And if you get them, you're going to be in trouble. Are you all with me? All right.
So you've got to apply everything. So let's, I'm going to use the Old Testament to do it. First Kings 17. Turn there. And I'm just going to tell you a few things. I'm going to tell you something. This really will change your life. It really will. It really will change life. Let me read this story in 1 Kings 17. This is a very well-known story. It's about Elijah and the widow. I believe the widow represents the church in lots of ways. I believe the woman of the issue of the blood represents the church. You know, that's the way I really see these things. These are women. The church is a woman. In a lot of ways, we're like that. We feel widowed. We're really not. This is verse 8, 1 Kings 17. Amen. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's a bad state, isn't it? <laughs> About like the woman with the issue of blood. She's fixing to die. And I'm going to tell you something. What I'm saying to you today if you get to that point, you get up off your carcass and get, get aggressive with God. You hear what I'm saying to you? The problem is, is we don't see our real state. The problem is we're blinded. The problem is we're duped into something. We don't realize how desperate we really are. That's the problem. And we need to ask God, God, open our eyes and let us see our real state. Really, Let us see really what's really happening in our lives. Because we need God more than we realize. Are you with me? And Elijah said, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Don't you like that? For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I'll tell you something. We're, you know, we've tried to encourage people, don't be, when you prophesy, don't be saying, Thus saith the Lord. But man, when God says that, and it really is God, that's a powerful word, isn't it? Isn't that powerful when you hear that? Thus said the Lord, and God says something, it'll knock you off your feet. Y'all have seen, everybody stand up. Come on, stand up here. Y'all seem too, too uh, subdued. Huh? Y'all been going Christmas shopping too much, Becky said. <laughs> Lord, I'm asking you. I want you to open us up this morning. I want us to be aggressive with you this morning. Lord, I think this is something you gave me, Lord. You beat this into my life over years and worked me out on this deal. I want you to release this this morning. I want you to let us become aggressive with you today in a righteous way, God. So, Lord, let this get into us, God. Let it crawl all over us, Lord. Let it be like a spider crawling over our back. We just can't, we can't sit still until we get it dealt with, Lord. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down if you like, or you can stand the whole time. All righty. First thing. For thus said the Lord God, as the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her whole household ate for many days. 
the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. It's powerful, isn't it? Well, here's the first thing. Number one. Number one, God desires to reveal that He Himself is the source of every good thing. That He wants to reveal Himself that He's the source. Now, here's the key. She believed in her heart that that flour and oil was the source. And the flour and oil was coming to an end, therefore her source was coming to an end, therefore she was going to die. Okay? That's what she believed, and that's what, how she was acting out and living her life. And, and what we need to see, and, and really we need to see this now, especially in the current economic situation that Americans are, are facing. 800,000 people lost their jobs since September 11th. We really need to get a revelation of who our real source is. You see, the job, or whatever it may be, is your provision. Okay? But that is not your source. And we're going to find over the course of our life, our provision is going to change probably a few times, more than a few times. But the source never changes. And what God wants to do is He wants to reveal to people that He's the source, not the job. Not the job. Not the job. He wants to, he wants to, have, he wants to reveal to us that He's the source. So when, when the provision that we have, whatever that provision may be, financial or, or otherwise, whatever it may be, when it comes to an end, when that spigot's turned off, we can know God has another spigot for us somewhere. And we don't have to get afraid. And we don't have to feel like we're going to die and we're, and we're not going to make it. And we don't have to flip out. That's really what God wants to do. And God's looking for a church. He's looking for Christians who can really believe that. Because Christians are going to get swept up and losing their jobs. Christians are going to get swept up and, le and, and leaving jobs, quitting jobs, moving to other places and not having jobs there. And we're going to have to face it. Who's our source? Who is our source? And the Lord wants to reveal, I'm your source. The stock market's not your source. Your job is not your source. Those are provisions. Those are channels. You hear what I'm saying to you? God is the source of all good things. So, before we try to move His hand, we must seek His mind and His heart concerning the thing we're trying to move His hand on. You hear what I'm saying to you? If God's the source of all things, before you, want to, before you try to get aggressive with God, before you try to make God do something, before you try to draw something from the breast of God, you need to find out what the will of God is concerning that. You need to really seek the Lord about that thing. You hear what I'm saying to you? Because He's the source. And we need to get a, a yes or a no on it from God before we really get aggressive with God. So you don't just run out of the gate, I'm going to be aggressive with God. I'm going to get this thing. This is what God is saying. I know this is what God's doing, without talking to God about it first and finding out what the Lord's heart is. Because a lot of people run out there in presumption and miss God and say, well, I just know this was the Lord. How'd you know it was the Lord? I just did. They never really gave the Lord a chance to speak to them. A lot of people do that. Don't be presumptuous with the Lord. Don't assume things on God. God doesn't like that. And God is not going to back up your presumption. He's not going to back up your assumptions. You really need to get the mind of the Lord's. Number two. Y'all with me? Number two, verse 12. So he said, um, no, verse 13. Elijah said to her, Do not fear, 
fear not. That's number two. Because here's what she said. She said, I don't have bread. I don't have it. In other words, Elijah was asking her for something that she really didn't have. And see, that's the problem with God. Is he's going he's to come to you at some point and ask you for something that you don't have. Or you're going to be faced with a situation that you don't have what it takes for that situation. You don't have the answers. You don't have the money. You don't have whatever it is. And you're going to say, I don't have it. But so before you can really move the hand, you've got to deal with fear. Now, really, the truth about fear is this. Fear really is a pipeline from hell. And that's where Satan's lies, really, it travels on fear. And that's how he's able to speak to us. It's through fear. That little thing that Arthur Burke, that little card he had that he left here last week. Did anybody get that little card? It says, fear is building a lie. Remove the lie. Fear goes away. Something like that. Deal, deal with the lie. Fear will die. It really is a truth. You should never, ever do anything out of fear. And this is one that I hear people say all, all the time. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to miss the Lord, so I'm going to... You can fill in the blank. I'm afraid I'm going to miss the Lord. I'm afraid I'm going to miss the Lord, so I'm going to do this thing or do that thing. That is not the way it works. You hear what I'm saying to you? You don't act or not act based on fear. Are you all with me on that? Because most of the people in this room do that. Most people in this room are doing stuff. Well, I need to do such and such because if I'm scared, I'm going to miss the Lord if I don't do it. And, and you know what? God's not honoring that kind of activity because you're being motivated by fear, which means you're being motivated by lies. And lies come from who? The devil. So you are doing something for God, supposedly, or, 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 or hoping you won't miss God based on something the devil's telling you. And you can't do that. You cannot do that. You won't be successful. You've got to allow God to deal with the fear in your life. So don't act or don't not act based on fear. You've got to cancel fear out of the equation. And that's exactly what the Lord was trying to do to this woman. The Lord was trying to say to the woman, listen, you think you're going to die, but don't be afraid. You're not going to die. That was the word of the Lord to her. You're not going to die. And that's what people need to hear. You're going to be okay. Don't worry about that. Don't be afraid. As long as you're afraid, you're not going to be able to enter into things that God has for you. If, whatever you're afraid of. Well, I'm afraid that person's not going to like me. So? Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to have a job tomorrow. And that reveals something about us. And we, we've got to get out of operating on fear. We've got to let, quit letting being fear be the motivator in our lives. I'm afraid my kid's going to be messed up if I don't do this or do that. That is not a reason to make adjustments with your children. Because you're afraid. And I guarantee you, if you really look at a lot of the reasons you do things in your life, if you begin to really examine them, you're doing a lot of things based on fear. And that's not the gospel. Are you all with me? <laughs> the flour and oil was not what kept that woman alive. That's what she thought. And that's why she was scared, because it was running out. It was God. And that's why you've got to have a revelation that God's your source. Yeah, it was. All right, number three. What did he say to her? 
Make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me. And then afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So, the thing she was trusting in, guess what? The Lord went after it. You hear what I'm saying? Things she was trusting in. You know what? That's why some people lose things that they're really not ultimately supposed to lose because they're trusting in it and God goes after it, but they never get the point. You hear what I'm saying to you? They never get the point. And I'm going to tell you something. Think about it. She had enough food left for her and what? Her child. And here's this maniac guy. And I guarantee you he was probably a maniac. You know, Elijah. You think some of the people in the church today are crazy. He beat, he beat most of us. There's a couple that didn't. You know, there's a couple of people in here that would beat Elijah probably. But think about it. If a man came to you and said, listen. She said, well, all I've got is enough for me and my child. And he said, well, that's fine, but I want it first. Take away from you and your child. Now, probably most of us, well, Lord, yeah, I, I can do that for if it's just me. Right? But when it comes to your kids, comes to your young ones, comes to your children, that's another story. I've told the Lord many times, Lord, if it was just me and Becky, heck, we can do all kinds of stuff. You know, I can do, you know, we can, we can have a lot more faith. We can do, you know, we can pack up and go to the other side of the wherever, of Morrisville. <laughs> I, I ain't, I'm not saying some things here now. <laughs> I'm scared, you know, God comes for your words. <laughs> I ain't that dumb. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? But because of my dear children, I can't, God. You see? And God was going after something. And God will go after something in your heart. He will go after something. Every time we endeavor to move God's hand on something, God's going to ask for something from us. He's going to say, do something first. He's looking for something. See, moving the hand of God is not first getting. It's not first getting God to do what you want Him to do. Okay? It's first giving. God's going to require something. Whatever that thing may be, only God knows what that thing may be. It may be money. You know? It may be money. If you have a financial disaster in your life, God may want the money that you have. He may really say that to you. What if God really said that to you today? What if you really didn't have enough money? I don't quite have enough money to pay the bills. And God said, well, if you'll give me that money you got, you'll have enough. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you really do it? Would you really do it? I, I don't know that all of us really would. That's a big deal. Well, you know, if God don't come through, nothing's getting paid. And we're going hungry. And they're going to turn the electricity off. It's going to be a rough Christmas at the house. You know? You see what I'm saying? This stuff can get really real. And this is what Christianity really is. Because either God's going to be the source or He's not. And I'm scared saying all this because I'm scared God's going to get something from me. You know? It's like this. <laughs> no, I'm not going to operate off here. It's like you've heard that saying, you know, if something is yours, let it go. If it comes, you know, about the bird and if it comes back to you. Have you all heard that? You know, if, it's, if you have something and, and if it's really yours, if you'll let go of it, okay, 
And they used a picture of a bird, and the bird flies away. If the bird comes back, it was really yours. If it didn't come back, it wasn't yours. You didn't want it in the first place. And that's really a good principle. You've got to release. Whatever it is in your life that you're looking for, you really need to release it. You're going to come to a place in your life as a parent where you have to release your kids. You've got to release them. You've got to give them up. There's going to come that place for every person for God to be able to do in their life what He wants to do. There will come a time when you may have to release your spouse. If you're looking for God to give you a spouse, you may have to release the very desire of a spouse. You hear what I'm saying to you? It may not be anything tangible or physical. It may just be a desire within your heart that God wants. And you have to release it. Now, we're talking about moving the hand of God. We're talking about getting God to do stuff, remember? The very thing, you may really have a dream in your life for something. God may come for that dream. And really what He's saying is, if you want to see that dream come true, you need to give it to me. Let me have it. You hear me? We're moving the hand to God. It don't sound like we are. It sounds like we're going in the hole. <laughs> so, man, this thing's in reverse here, Lord. The Lord gave me an inheritance one time. And um, it was at a time when I had to make a decision. I had to either keep my inheritance or give it to the Lord. And I'm not going to go into detail because it's, it's, that's not the point. The point was it was my inheritance. And God said, if you'll trust me and trust my inheritance then I'll tap you into a source you've never seen before. But if you trust in your inheritance, you're going to dry up and die. And I gave my inheritance to the Lord, and my daddy sat there and begged me not to do it. Uh, and so I wouldn't let him know the extent that I gave to the Lord. But I want to tell you that if you, if you know me now, you know the business I have, the two businesses I have. I promise you I couldn't have got it before I gave my inheritance unto the Lord and stuff. And, he, and he's given me uh, five great-grandchildren and stuff. And my daddy told me, whew. <laughs> and my 26th anniversary, he said, you've got a great family. And see, the, the material stuff that God's given me means nothing to me compared to what my family is. And